Welcome to the Downtown Den with me, Frank McKenna, the Group Chair and Chief Executive of Downtown in Business. Uh, you'll probably be aware by now that we are hosting a Business of Sport conference, Lancashire County Cricket Stadium, on September the 6th. Uh, speakers uh, confirmed so far include Gary Neville, uh, doesn't really need an introduction, but for those who don't know him, uh, Gary is ex-footballer, Manchester United and England, and now a uh, football pundit and entrepreneur. We've also got Yvonne Harrison, who is the Chief Executive of Women in Football, the Chief Executive of FC United, Natalie Atkinson, uh, Olympic medalist, uh, Goldie Sayers, and loads of others as well. And delighted that one of our partners uh, at the conference is the Sedulo Group and Paul Cheatham, who's the Chief Executive of Sedulo, has joined me in the downtown end today. So, Paul, welcome. Morning. Uh, just tell us a little bit about what Sedulo does. Yeah, I mean, it's expanded now. I'm an accountant, so we set off as an accountancy firm, as you know. But now I think there's 10 uh, businesses within the group covering everything, consultancy, business advisory, financial, IT now, HR, um, or cultural services. We, we, we offer now like people and culture type stuff. Some branding. So really it's everything you need from a centralised perspective of either your business, because we deal obviously with corporates, or um, high-end individuals. And they tend to be the, bus- the, the entrepreneurs behind the businesses or as you know, we do a lot in sport. We do a lot in athlete uh, of athletes. We do a lot in media, a lot of people off the TV. And I think what we really do is just get involved in people's journeys and help them along the way. And that's why we've kind of along the way expanded the skill sets of what we've got. Mm. So really, it's a full service business support agency that you're running really. now, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, from being an accountant. I sometimes struggle when you say, what is it you do? You know, because as I say, it's anything now from high IT to how to create a culture. You know, what we've done, as you know, Frank, we've gone from me 14 years ago this week, actually, to 200 of us. And um, there's a lot of lessons we've learned along the way. And I think what we tend to do is we find a fix. So we, we fixed once where we, we had a dip in our, in our own culture and we created a, Staff happiness score, tip from James Timpson, actually. And um, so we developed our in-house tool, the staff happiness score, and it's been a game changer for our organisation. So what do we do with that? Do we just keep it to us or do we develop that um, and resell it and offer it out to all, all our clients? And that's what we've decided to do along the way. So we will be even more diverse, by the way, come the next six to 12 months because we've actually got a CTO coming in who's developing the SaaS-based products that we clunkily use in-house. So we'll diversify even more. Brilliant. We'll have a tech side. Well, listen, it's a a hugely successful journey that Sedulo have been on. And as you say, what you've attempted to do is find ways in which you can articulate and inform your client base and others beyond your client base uh, as to some of the tips and tricks of success. And I know that you're a huge fan of sport. Uh, and so you established this brand, Set the Standard. Which yeah, be the be, standard. Yeah. Be the standard, yeah. sorry. Which is, you know, fantastic series of events, not simply sports people, but a lot of sports people that you've interviewed over the past couple of years or so. So tell us about that. So the, re- the reason it kicked off is this, Frank, you know, when you when you own a business owner, you know, 
nine times out of 10, or at least the successful ones, nine times out of 10, what you've got is somebody who's committed and dedicated to high performance, right? The channel is the business. And I've always had this theory that if you are Wayne Rooney, right? If you're Wayne Rooney or whoever, they've got this, this way of living their life to get ultimate performance, right? And when you're on the edge of high performance, it's pretty easy to fall off it. And I don't mean fall off it in that you're performing well and your business drops off. I mean you as an individual, right? Because if you're so driven, you're driven by summer, aren't you? You're not you just wake up driven. A lot of it tends to be childhood traumas. We get quite deep here, but it's the truth of the matter. Most entrepreneurs are more likely to commit suicide, one, because of the pressure they're under, but two, because they're so driven. And they're not driven usually by, you know, being born in a bed of roses and life being you know, continuing along that way. So there's a bit of pain in there. I started to chat to a guy called Kevin Sinfield, who who everybody should know really, because he's just such an an immaculate guy, but he's the, he was a former rugby league player for Leeds Rhinos. And then uh, most people know him now because he's raised about 7 million quid for motor neurons disease, doing, you know, running seven ultras in seven days and all this stuff. England uh, rugby union coach now. But I sat with him and said, how are you such a well put together human being? And yeah, you're on that fine line of, you know, ultra high performance. Most people have got the ability to tip off. And he did start to talk about, well, what, Paul, what, what do you have? What's your support network for your level of your channel of high performance? In reality, who is it? You know, when I first started to get anxiety attacks, which I've spoke to you about before on previous podcasts of yours, you know, go to my dad who's a truck driver. And he just thinks you, he thinks you're going mad, you know? So, so that's no, no disrespect to me, dad, but he's not got no support there. Cause he's just, it's, it's alien to him. Um, and Kevin started to talk about, well, at rugby, we had a recovery coach. We had a sleep coach. We had a nutritionist. We had a psychologist. We had a therapist. We had a, you know, they have a plethora of support people around them. And so between me and him, we came up with the idea of offering that to entrepreneurs and business owners or, you know, senior execs within organisations. So that was a starting point for me. Yeah. But you've had some great people. I mean, we were just having a chat before we came on air uh, and some of the names that you've been able to attract into that uh, setting have been absolutely incredible. So tell us about some of the highlights for you because as much as this is about, yeah, getting into the mindset of these people, it's a thrill for you to be meeting some of these people who are heroes, right? Unbelievable, really, the people we've had. Just how the day goes, what we do is we break the day down so there's a sports person in the morning and then we have a break where four or five of us go into surgeries and that's actually been the most impactful part. The most impactful part is when four of us get in and we just discuss problems. And in the early days, it was like, I've got a sales problem or I've got, now it's not that anymore. Two years in the group and we're, you know, it's it's very it's obviously very confidential, but it's very 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 deep. This is where somebody can just open up, you know. So it's become a real therapy. And in the afternoon, we have a business leader, right? So that's a context. I mean, sport. We've had Sugar Ray Leonard, right? One of the best ever. We've had from over here. We've had Bellew. We've had uh, Stephen Gerrard was in, as you know, just recently. Got Carragher coming up. We've had Gary Neville. We've had Chris Brindley, who's a brilliant speaker, who's on your. Um, um, sporting event. I think he was the UK's best boss at one point, but he's a great speaker. Uh, we've had Chris on the business side. We've had fun people like Levi Roots. We've had Eddie Hearn. We've had Alistair Campbell. 
Um, who else have we had? Honestly, it goes on. We've had Josh Warrington, David Hay. We've had Hannah Cockcroft, Rebecca Adlington, Alistair Brownlee. We've had, yes, yeah, serious people. We've got Barry Hearn coming up next. So listen, it's as you say, it's all about um, some of them are inspirational. Some of them are motivational. Um, some of them have got more, what's the word? More formal tricks. James Timpson was exceptional in giving two or three just tips. And I went away and transformed my business actually on the back of, um, on the back of James's talk. So it's a real mixture, Frank. And then sometimes we have people coming in saying at the Real Madrid, um, sleep coach coming. We had like the, our, you know, team GB, uh, nutritionist. So we then get like quite expert people in, um, it's an all rounder, but it's been ama- it's been amazing to sit and listen to sort of Sugar Ray Leonard's story live. And my dad came, and he was my dad's a massive boxing fan, and he must be seventy nine now. My dad, so that would have been he's seventy eight. And I just remember watching. I'm sat there, Sugar Ray Leonard's in my Manchester office, and my dad was like, "How the fuck has this happened?" He's just. <laughs> I remember watching my dad's face, and he had an open mouth for an hour while I was interviewing him. But what a great guy he was, by the way. I mean, taught really deeply because if you want to read a book, you don't have to be a boxing fan to read Sugar Ray's book. Um, he, he's deep. He's a very deep guy. Um, and he, and he went uh, into it. But then, you know what? He stayed for three hours signing gloves and and, uh, and books after it. So, and, and 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 that's about a third of what who we've had on. It's yeah. been incredible, really. And you don't have to be a Sudilo client to join that club, do you? How would people get involved in that if they were interested? Yeah, they just, I mean, really, you're better off finding me on probably LinkedIn and sending me a message or a, an email. Um, no, you don't have to be. Um, it is for people though who are serious about self-development. It's not a networking club for business, although um, there's a lot of business being done in there now because there's a lot of, they're in the comfort zone when they, you know, it's that, that their day a month in their comfort zone. So it's, if you want to join, probably better off DMing me. And it's not cheap, by the way. Um, you wouldn't expect it to if you're going to get that level of um, speakers. But uh, if anyone is interested, drop me a line. We have a real mixture now of people who are, who are, what's the word, volatile, let's call it, or lost to a degree. And now we've got a mixture of people who are quite well put together. But part of that is what the club's developed, you know, so you get a nice mix. Yeah, fantastic. And so when you're looking at these sports and performance, um, and, you know, our business of sport conference is about, yeah, sure, the way in which the finances of a business works in sport because it can be very different in terms of football for example you look at the money that gets thrown around there you know you and I'd be like it's eye-watering figures yeah. isn't it right down to as you said earlier you know that mindset of what makes a high performing uh, individual um, and you know what we've asked you to do you one of the first people we approached to be a partner on this event because of the work that you've done with Be The Standard but we've asked you to put a bit of a panel together for us um and you know on that day i think we will get a lot out of it because you will appreciate this more than anyone you get such a diverse range of things that motivate and that inspire and high performers are not people who you can just put in a box are they they've all got different things that they can bring to the party yeah it's, I mean, it's really interesting, but there are the same as the same as everyone else, really. There's always common themes, right? So whilst there's a diversity, the themes are still the same. 
you know? So it is, it is that kind of, how do you overcome self-doubt? Because let's be honest, everybody has self-doubt, including the high performers. It's just that the high performers deal with it. Everybody's got a fear of failing, including the high performers. They're just better at managing it. Right. So when you look at the, 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 the kind of techniques they have, or even sometimes it, they just provide you with that. Talked about this before, didn't we? Sometimes, Frank, all you need to know is it's normal. So if you feel self-doubt, you can do go one of two ways. You can beat yourself up about it. You can let it block you and stop you doing reaching your potential. Or you can accept it, find a way of managing it. And everybody's way will be different, by the way. That's the difference between high performance and non-high performance, isn't it? You know, when these high performers are taking penalties, they've got self-doubt. Every one of them. Alistair Campbell says that on the book, Winners. He's the, he, he's, he, obviously, you know Alistair, and, that, and it's a great book, that, actually. But the, I think he interviewed, I don't know, everyone from Barack Obama to Sir Alexa. But what the one common denominator was, everybody was driven by being scared of failing. They just didn't want to fail. The only person he ever met out of all these ridiculous Oprah Winfrey and all these people was Floyd Mayweather. The only person that wasn't, um, couldn't ever see him losing, so had no self-doubt, right? Or says he has no self-doubt, right? But everybody else does. So you've got, I think what people have got to understand in life is if they share the stories, which is why I come on stuff like this. If you share the stories, you understand that we're all the same. We've all got the same shit. It's just how you manage that. Is completely and utterly different. One of the things I've learned about them, which I've started to do myself, is it's the it's the clarity of execution that they've got. So if you're in Team GB, it's that old saying, does it make the boat go faster? If it does, you do it. If it doesn't, you don't. It's black and white. I remember um, having Hannah Cockcroft in to be the standard, and uh, Hannah's probably, I think, our most decorated Paralympian. And um, I don't think she'll mind me saying this because I think it's common knowledge. But anyway, she she she's in a wheelchair and she didn't lose for like 14 years. She then went to an Olympics, got beat and fired a coach, right? She fired a coach. So if that was in business, what would we do? If we were winning for 14 years and then somebody made an error of judgment, what we would do is we'd accept that. And again, and again, and again, I'm thinking, oh, they've been with me 14 years and he's a lovely lad, Frank. And, you know, we start to bring emotion into it. That's where high performers differ. High performers want to win. And if it makes the boat go faster, they'll do it. So that I'll say if there was one key message other than all the kind of the help tips, the real message that I have respect for is they make the key decisions. And they execute them. I think in business, we know what to do. We just like them. Or, yeah, but what if? Or we let them say, oh, but in three months, or my pipeline looks like this. You know, there's all these things and you want to give, I'll tell you what, we give the benefit of the doubt. Yes. Yeah. And um, in, in sport at high level, you don't get the benefit of the doubt, do you? Alex Ferguson didn't give the benefit of the doubt to Yap Stam and Roy Keane and before that, the drinking cultures of the McGraths and so on. Great talent. That's another thing that we get mixed up with. We go, oh, he or she's a bit of a, we're not quite happy with the attitude, but 
they're great at the job or they're a great talent. You look at organizations of high performance, they don't do that. The guy at sitting now, the guy uh, they've just got rid of, can't remember his name, but Pep's not accepting that. And I think from sporting organizations, they're the, they're the um, most uh, visual example we've got, or uh, we, the most transparent is a word, the most transparent example we've got of how you actually need to behave as a leader or an owner to get high performance. You can look at Everton as an organization and you look at how they, they behave compared to Man City, say, and you see why Man City win things and Everton don't. And I bet the monetary terms is not that different, what you've spent and what they've spent. Well, I think it probably is, but even so, we've spent a hell of a lot of money to be third from bottom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, and then bizarrely, if you look at Everton in the community, that's probably the best-run charity on yeah. the planet. Yeah. So, yeah, it is weird. Um, so you've talked very eloquently there and some fascinating stuff that's come out in terms of the work that you've been doing uh, with some of these people. But then, you know, again, I'm conscious of this. You and a guy that we know very well called Andy Grant, who's a great, great guy. Again, if you don't know Andy or his story, then just Google the name Andy Grant and, and you'll see loads of stuff come on. But he's a, he's a, a great character, somebody else that uh, is going to come along to the Business of Sport conference as well. Um, but you just told me this great story of you've gone away yeah. uh, in uh, to the World Cup, not to the World Cup, to Marbella to watch some games uh, during the World Cup, which was probably a better way of doing it, actually, mm. given the alcohol mm. ban that was over in Qatar. Um, and then you're all like lads, having a chat, having a drink, and, you know, some of the conversations are about the things that you've just been talking about, yeah. you know, self-doubt and alcohol and how you manage that and parents and all those sorts of things. Um, and, and you and Andy have set up this fabulous podcast. So tell us a little bit about that and, and how people can sort of listen to, to that podcast. Yeah. I mean, so Andy's a great guy. I think his books, you'll never, you'll, you'll never, never walk. walk. It is actually, yeah. isn't it? We won't ruin the story. Um, but it's a great book. And, um, He's got his own podcast and I had my own podcast and I did about 100 episodes. Um, I think with my own podcast, it was called Taking Care of Business, but really it wasn't a business podcast. It's a mindset, real life story podcast. And so I think the name um, probably held it back to some degree or didn't do justice for the content. So I got to about 100 and I said this to you earlier, there were so many brilliant stories within those hundred episodes, but I'd have to sit with you and you'd have to say, oh, I'm really interested in, you know, adversity. And I'd say, oh, listen to his, his and her podcast, but we ain't going to have that conversation, are we? Right. It, you know, so, so you can't signpost people. That was one of the things, which is why I thought I'm going to get to hundred. I'm going to take stock of my own podcast, which is, uh, which was taking care of business. And I'm sat with Andy and Marbella and the first day we were watching, there were 16 games in four days. So we just went away on the Friday. We watched four games and we're drinking all day. We get up in the morning. There's an early kickoff. It's great World Cup, by the way, for that. Uh, got up Saturday morning, had a couple of beers. By that point, let's be honest, on the Friday, you've got Scousers and Manx and all they're doing is talking and watching for us. He's just talking shite about football <laughs> and you're having banter and, you know, it's laughs, right? So day one's laughs. Day two, though, 
you've had a couple of beers, it's a bit more somber, you're feeling a bit more delicate. And all of a sudden you start to get into this, this um, I don't know, this mind space where you really start to open out, but it's not, it's not talk shite anymore. It's like quite deep. And if you notice, if you, because people are bonded now, some of them didn't know, know each other, but but now we're getting deep. People have known each other 24 hours and they're talking about like traumatic events and how it's changed them. And, and obviously some of them have got quite common. Most problems are common. So there's a common ground. And um, long story short, we got so deep and it was deep. And we, from about 10 a.m. till five, we sat in the same seats at the same bar. The football was forgotten about. No idea who played that day, but we, we were really talking on a deep level about people's problems and it was quite authentic and natural. Everybody felt comfortable. Anyway, long story short, I came back and I was chatting to Andy about his own podcast, the Leggett podcast, which he had at the time, which he's got, but it, particularly what he was doing was um, a sports pod. Um, and he said, oh, it's a bit sad sometimes. And he won't mind me saying this, but I get the most viewings when I talk the most banter. And yet I could bring a real life story on that's got so much benefit to people and great content, but it'll get so much less listens. And isn't that a sad way of the world, really? Yeah. That people will more listen to, you know, banter than they would, um, you know, some educational content or whatever. So anyway, so I then said, listen, you've got a strong brand like it. Why don't you just deliver people both, but do it under separate brands and we'll bring out a live cast and we will just... Meeting, because I have bars in all my offices, we'll meet up, we'll have two pints. So that's what we do. We meet up, we have a chat and we have two pints. Then we start the pod, right? And then we have a pint or two while the pod's on. And um, we we started out with some <clears throat> specific topics. Now we ask people to just send in topics. But we want to keep to about half an hour, because I think sometimes an hour and a half is a hard pod and you you listen to it maybe over three car journeys then for example so i said let's just keep them to half an hour let's keep them to just one um one topic and um that means then it almost becomes an encyclopedia of common problems that we all deal with and you've just mentioned some self-doubt we've all got it parent guilt we all have it then the one we did last week, I didn't even think about, but somebody wrote in and said, it's not pairing guilt down, it's pairing guilt up. How I'm constantly worried and anxious about how much time I've got left with mum and dad and I'm a good son, I'm spending I never even thought of that. But when he, when they said the question, by the way, I have that all the time. Yeah. You know, so all of a sudden, um, they're getting me and Andy to think about things that we are thinking about, but it's a subconscious that interesting, really. But the response has been brilliant. Yeah. And where's that podcast? That, what's it called? Uh, so that is the Leggett Livecast. Yeah. Okay. And it's uh, out every Sunday. It's no more than sort of 30, 35 minutes. And I think the key to it is, is this, is you don't have to listen to every pod. There's one on alcohol and our quite negative relationships that both me and Andy have with alcohol. Love-hate relationships, should I say. Um but if you don't have a problem with alcohol, you don't listen to the alcohol one. Yeah. If you've got a problem with self-doubt, you listen to the self-doubt one. You, do you get what I mean? That's what we've tried to so do. So you can dip in and out. Dip in and yeah, out, yeah. Brilliant. Now, listen, the final thing I want to ask you about, because um, this is a really exciting thing that you guys are doing, it's this foundation that you've set up, but it's the bore that you're putting on in June at the Hilton in Manchester. Yeah. And it sounds to me as though it's going to be a spectacular night. Yeah. So, So tell us about that. 
as you know, we do a lot in the community. It means a lot to us. Um, we always do two campaigns a year. The first campaign is, so we didn't have a foundation. We're doing it all um, uh, informally, but we do a children's toy uh, appeal each year. And we did 15,000 presents this year and the bespoke presents to 1,200 kids in care. Um, so we do that every year. We then started to add into that with the Michael Carrick Foundation uh, back to school packs during COVID because kids are being sent home in COVID saying, here's your homework. You know, they haven't got pens and calculators and the basics. So we started to do that in COVID, provide school packs, and then we started to put in Nando's vouchers. And we put in Nando's vouchers for two things, really. One, because... Some of, most of these kids aren't having hot meals for six weeks, right? Let's be let's be clear about that. But two, like Nando's to them is it's the some of that other people talk about that they never get. You know, to so there's one thing about providing hot meals, but I wanted to provide them with that almost feeling of independence, you know, going into somewhere nice. Anyway, that was the second one. The third campaign, which we just started, which I didn't even think about at all. I wouldn't do because I'm a blow when I tell you about the campaign was the teachers started to reach out to us and say, we've really got a problem in our schools where the poor girls, when they come to school, when they start the menstrual cycle, they haven't got any, you know, mum and dad cannot afford to provide the product they need. So they just take a week off school every four. So they're only in, you know, and, and that, when they talked about that and two girls brought it to me and they started to talk about it, it was something I would never think about, right? I, I'd never thought, but when the more I thought about it, the more I thought it's not right. It's not fucking right. So let's do that as a campaign. Of course, that's quite a big campaign because if you do it in year seven, which was our first year, you know, you got to do it for five years. So then you've got to provide the product. Then it starts to get quite meaty in terms of cost. So anyway, long story short, that's what, that's what the foundation is about. And we launched it, um, registered it in February. Now we're launching the foundation. So it's the 29th of June. It's at the Hilton Hotel in Manchester. Um, but you're right, it's going to be quite different. It's called the Colour Ball. And I just want it to be completely and utterly different to what else is out there. So this is not going to be a black tie. Well, it's not going to be black tie. It's not going to be sort of a crooner over your three-course dinner. And then a, this is going to be, you sit down, and from the minute you sit down till the minute you're asked to leave, it is just a night of entertainment. And we've got everything from, you know, street dance group to gymnasts. Then we've got bongos and saxophone, uh, violinists. We've got Shola Rammer, who won the Brit Award, the uh, best Brit, female Brit, twice at the Brits. We've got Liberty X. I think you've got something like seven number ones, something like that, performing live. And then we've got Gokwan DJing. And it's just, as I say, it's called a colour ball because we just want it to be totally different. I want it almost to be a staple uh, of the annual calendar that people are just like, it's different. And we, you know, and I spoke to you earlier about this. There's a kind of little side difference where you notice the acts have slightly been made. So, so your wife would probably be, Vic's probably more interested <laughs> in going to that ball than you might be. And I think that's a bit of a different twist, you know, rather than dragging your wife along to, a, to what's mainly a gents ball, we're just going to twist it a little way in that the acts are, you know, Every, all women love dancing like to Liberty X and stuff. So we've tried, most of them love Gok. So we've tried to bring the acts in that, just make it a little bit different. So it's a little bit more, um, I don't know, mixed entertainment at least. Sometimes they're a bit old school, these balls anyway. So that's my take on it. 
it's going to be a fantastic night. Uh, and if you want to get details uh, of tickets uh, for the Colour Ball, then if you go on to the Downtown and Business website, we'll make sure that on our events page, you'll be able to get details uh, of that charity ball. It is uh, going to be a fantastic night. And more importantly, I suppose, raising money for some fantastic causes. Um, so listen, Paul, we're really looking forward to working with you on the sports conference. Be great to see what you do with the Be The Standard session on the day. Uh, but thanks for coming in. That's Paul Cheatham, Chief Executive of Sedulo Group. A uh, quick reminder, so Business of Sport Conference, September, Lancashire County Cricket Stadium. Again, if you go onto the downtown website, all the W's downtowninbusiness.com, you'll find all the details there and you'll see we've got some fantastic speakers uh, and some other great events uh, for you to attend throughout the year as well. Uh, so that's me, Frank McKenna, the Downtown Den. We'll be back soon with another pod for you. Thanks for listening.